It's an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the laws are complicated and constantly changing, the wisest and safest way to keep track of them all is to call elder law attorney Michael Cohen. Having devoted his career to informing and protecting the elderly, Michael communicates about the law in ways that you and your loved ones will surely understand. Join us now to know your legal rights with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here's Michael and Don. Welcome once again to another Estate Planning Essentials program, exceptionally committed to protecting your family, your assets, and you. And I'm essentially sitting with Dallas Elder Law Attorney, the Michael N. Cohen. Hello, Michael. Hello, Don, and Happy New Year to you. And uh, But of course, I must always ask you, because every time you do a different initial for my middle initial, I always have to ask you what it stands for, because yes. as you know, the B in, is my middle initial is Michael P. Cohen, as in beautiful. Yes. So you'll have to tell me what the N stands for, this fictitious name that you have, uh, or initial that you've given for. <laughs> well, okay. It's a, it's a figurative name. I realize that or initial, and that stands for many things. First of all, new year. And now that we're post 2020 and in the 21, we can say happy and merry new year and look back at 2020 with, um, a great deal of, um, maybe frustration, but also look forward in the 21 with a great deal of optimism, but also N stands for number one article and Michael Cohen's newsletter also N uh, or a newsletter starts with the letter N. And you told me before the program that in your new your number one newsletter article was about a particular topic, and you wanted to address that today. You know, I do a monthly newsletter, and uh, each month I write a few articles, and and the one um, for my January newsletter, I was uh, putting forth the top you know, the top most read articles for the year. So I had um, the company that uh, I write my own articles, and I, but I had somebody check out to see which articles were read the most. And I was surprised to see that something that we've never talked about on any of our shows, and we've been doing shows for years, was the number one uh, read article, and that is how much can an executor be paid? What kind of fee can they be entitled to? And I also wrote, and I'll explain what an executor is for those who don't know in just a second. And I also wrote for my January newsletter, how much can a trustee be paid? What's a reasonable fee for a trustee? So let's kind of explain what an executor is and what a trustee is, and then kind of go from there. Great. An executor is the one who gathers up the assets and pays the bills when a will has been probated. So a will, remember what they will... A will's not good until the court says it's good. So if you have a will, it says, I appoint so-and-so, my spouse or my child as executor or anybody, whoever it may be, a professional, whatever, uh, whomever it may be, the will is not effective until the court says it's good. And uh, a trustee is somebody, if you have a trust, a lot of times you avoid probate if you have a trust, mm-hmm. and often in the trust document, It'll tell what the responsibilities are of the trustee, and sometimes it tells what the fee is, and sometimes it just says it's whatever's reasonable. Getting back to the executor, there's a couple different things. There's in the the act, there's an actual law 
about how much an executor could be paid, mm-hmm. but it's pretty murky because yep. it's it's uh, it's it's not like saying a certain dollar amount or a certain. It gets a little bit complicated. First of all, there's two types of executors. One is if you have to have corporate, I mean, excuse me, court supervision, and one if the executor is independent of court supervision. Most wills say that the executor is independent. You don't want to have to go back and forth before the court every time you sell an asset. So if you don't say the power to sell within a will, for example, then you may have to go back to court to get authority of the court to sell property. But most will say independent of court supervision. Okay, now that's important. Uh, as far as the law, because it defines what a an executor could be paid or any personal representative could be paid if there's no definitive amount in the will or trust, for that matter. Uh, but, well, it doesn't say how much you could be paid in the trust, but in a will, there's a if you have a will, it does tell how much an executor can be paid, but it doesn't address if it's an independent executor. Okay, so it, so now it's going to the executor could be dependent, <laughs> uh, and uh, in other words, you'll have court. Uh, you're going to have the court involved. Now, the amount that the it, it, I called the article that my Texas two step. Mm-hmm. How much can the executor could be paid? Um, and it, a lot of times it, it it depends upon how much time to gather up all the inventory, the assets, to pay the bills, the taxes, the expenses, before you distribute the estate. Uh, and the um, what, they, what the law says, the estates code, Texas estates code, the standard compensation for being the executor of a will on an independent executor is a 5% commission on what the executor, or it could be an administrator if he didn't have a will for that matter. So sometimes people don't have a will, but they have to go to court to try to transfer assets and pay bills. It's a 5% commission, and this is only in Texas. Every state has their own laws on things that are pays out in um, uh, things that are received and things that go out. But it's a little bit different than what you might think. It does It excludes... Um, uh, checking accounts, savings accounts, um, uh, CDs, money markets, collecting on life insurance, you don't get 5% of that. I mean, unless there's some sort of difficulty in obtaining that, um, sometimes if you – so in other words, really they look to see what kind of work you're doing. So if you have like partnership interest or or business interest or oil and gas or something that's really uh, more difficult – then they would look at that to determine um, how difficult it is. And so it's not just collecting what you have and paying off the bills and getting a percentage. That's not it. Okay. It, you, it has to be – so if you had, let's say, sue to collect or there's some sort of difficulty or maybe it's a difficulty in um, trying to have a difficult business interest, uh, if you had a – you know. Let's say you had a radio station. Uh, you had a radio station uh, like KWM. No, I'm just teasing. The uh, you know it's you know there's licensing, uh, other issues that are involved that you w- would be different than if you had um, just a CD. 
Mm-hmm. You know, or you collect on a life insurance policy. Okay, big deal. You show them uh, a death certificate, and it was paid to the estate or to the trust or whatever it may be. How difficult is that? That's not difficult. And so you don't get – you're not entitled to that 5% on something that's simple mm-hmm. like that. So the executor, uh, it, it's a it's a different type of uh, it's a different type of compensation than you might think. And you know, in ever in other states, uh, they they have different laws. But so, what do you do on a will? Well, do you just say what's if there's nothing said, it's just what's reasonable. If it, if it is just what's reasonable, well, first of all, you might not even say anything. You might say no compensation, or but then on the other hand. Your dude, that person is spending some time to deal with your assets, and that could be a real pain. Mm-hmm. And so, or maybe you say a certain, maybe you say a certain percentage, maybe you say a certain dollar amount, or maybe you say nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And if, but if you do have, if you are going to take something that's what's considered reasonable, what you think is reasonable, uh, at least as an executor, you probably ought to talk to the beneficiaries. And of course, if you're <laughs> one of those, if that executor is one of the beneficiaries. Uh, then they have a little bit of a conflict too. Sure. So the you better talk with the others before you make it to see if there's any going to be any problems before you make that uh, payment of a fee. At least if you're an executor, especially if, if the uh, some of the beneficiaries are other siblings or right. that um, um, you have conflicts in advance with the um, stepmother or stepfather. Who knows what could go wrong. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's one thing if you're managing a farm or a ranch or a factory or other business or estate, then just collecting easy stuff. Yeah. And so you better, and, and, and there could be a lot of times there's problems with debts and stuff like that. Uh, if you owe a lot of, owe a lot of debts, then, then uh, and there was difficulty on that or there's negotiations or something, then it could be, there could be more time involved. It's a little bit different on a trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it would be on a will. They don't have that, uh, you know, there, there is a, the estate's code, but it doesn't say the 5% like it mm-hmm. does for a will. Okay. Uh, they go into different fact, you go into different factors. So of course, if you have a trust and it says a certain dollar amount, well, then that makes it simple. You just go to the terms of the trust document and see what it says. And usually where there's a problem is where there's not a, professional trustees like you say oh i don't want to pay the bank to be a trustee because they charge too much fees see if you're a bank uh for example or other financial institution usually they have a chart on fees Mm -hmm. so it'll say the more you have the less the percentage so if you have uh let's say a million two million dollars it may be you know like less than one percent or something but Mm -hmm. if you had uh, they charge a higher fee based on the amount, and it becomes um, it gets to be a point where it's not even reasonable for the big banks to do on smaller states. Mm-hmm. So, like uh, a lot of banks won't even be a trustee unless it's at least a half a million or a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Some of the smaller banks, though, will do it. At, let's say two hundred fifty thousand because it's uneconomical. Remember, there's not just they have to not only uh, and they have to not only pay bills. They may have to invest. They have to do tax returns. They're professionals. And right. so uh, a lot of times, uh, sometimes we have financial institutions, but a lot of times people just choose some sort of family member 
uh, it gets into a lot of different factors on how much you would pay if it was a family member, although one of the things that you would look at is what is the bank's charge? You bought a, If that person's not a professional, they ought to be paying less because they're not a professional. They don't. That's not what they're used to doing, and they're probably not going to be as good at it either. So the, there's a lot of different factors. See, if you don't say in the document itself, most a lot of times we say, what is a reasonable fee? What is reasonable? Who's the reasonable man that we learned about in law school? Right. <laughs> law school, they asked about what's the re- who's the reasonable man. What would a reasonable Money. man do? Right. Well, here's what's a reasonable fee. Would what would be a reasonable fee? It's not so. It's not easy to determine what's reasonable or not. A lot of times that goes up to uh, court to decide what's reasonable or not. You know what's uh, also uh, wonderful news and what's reasonable is the fact that your workshops that you've been doing for many many years now are terribly reasonable in terms of their fee. And what makes them so reasonable? That they're free. And you can't spell the word free without the word fee. So it's pretty easy to remember everybody here listening to the program right now that Michael's workshops are extremely educational and valuable when it comes to applying the law, at least Texas law, as Michael mentioned a few minutes ago, to your individual circumstances. I mean, if you're living in Oklahoma or other states, it will be different for sure. And Michael's made that clear over the years. But if you live in Texas and he speaks for Texas and works and lives in Texas, um, all of this applies to you. Um, But you still have individual questions about your personal circumstances. And that's why you should attend Michael's next estate planning essentials workshop, which is scheduled now for Thursday, January the 28th at one o'clock and Michael, you've been doing these now virtually. You've been doing them online now for all, most of 2020, as well as going into 2021. So tell us what goes on and why you have them. Uh, yes, and I, th- I do agree that going to the workshops, since it's free, is very reasonable. <laughs> it's yeah. a great price. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we ask people what they want to know. And usually, it, a lot of times, people have their own individual situation, so they just don't know the answer. It yeah. it, I've never had it. Each workshop's different. I've never ever even asked been asked the question that we've, you know, we're talking about today is what's a reasonable fee for a, uh, you know, a trustee or a an executor at any of the workshops. And we've been doing these workshops for, oh my God, goodness, I don't know, uh, seven eight years now, and um, so it's been a long time. Each one of so each workshop's different. We ask people what they want to know. And we call it a workshop and not a seminar because it's interactive. You'll see that other people uh, will have questions, and you'll see that it may affect you. It may be something that you never thought about. It could be about long-term care costs for if you were disabled. In other words, let's say you needed care at home or if you needed care at a facility. Uh, it could be that somebody say, how do we protect our home from a claim of the state? That was another uh, one of the more common uh, articles that were people read this past year. That's the reason why I mentioned it. Uh, people wanted to know about ladybird deeds and transfer on death deeds, how to protect their home. Uh, and it could be on something simple as wills or trust and different types of trust. We never know what people were going to ask about. Uh, and But what we do is we see what they ask, and then we answer those questions over those couple hours. Uh, it's a couple hours because it's going to go from on that next uh, workshop on January 28th uh, is going to be uh, from 1 to 3 o'clock. It'll be on Zoom. 
Uh, if you do go to that free estate planning essentials workshop, we also give you the opportunity to have a free one-on-one what we call vision meeting with me, where we look at your individual situation. So if you want to look at your will or trust or whatever, it's no obligation. It's just free. And you'll see a lot of other people have the same uh, type of issues, and a lot of people have different types of issues. And it could be that it you know, springs something to your mind uh, that uh, you never had thought about. To attend that free estate planning essentials workshops and the free vision meeting, three free hours, no obligation. All you have to do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. Excellent. Very helpful. Uh, Curveball question for you. Does it ever make sense to lighten the load and divide and conquer? Uh, to have more than one executor? Well, a lot of times people do have that uh, co-executors, but on the other hand, it could lead to complications and disputes. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of times when you have too many cooks in the kitchen, it spoils the broth. And Mm -hmm. so there's, uh, just like a lot of times when there's co-agents on a power of attorney, a lot of times that leads to litigation. So... uh, you know, a, an executor or a trustee could delegate authority to different people, I suppose. But, of, of course, the executor is the one that has – or they could refuse to act. But usually the trustee could more likely to be somebody who would delegate. Executor, really, when you deal with the financial institutions, um, you, you know, you're the one that's got to act. Uh, right. So it could be that um, that may not be a good idea have co-executors, but a lot of times people want to have co-executors. Uh, sometimes we say, okay, you're somebody, let's say two kids are co-executors, but we say that if one can't act, the other one can act alone. That way they could resign and just have one person in charge. A lot of times parents say, you know, I don't want to show any favoritism, uh, and so I want them to act together. Or maybe uh, it was a blended marriage and you want mine and his or something like that, you know, one kid from each marriage. But uh, again, whenever you have more than one, it's likely as as much as you want to say, you said light and low, but it may be more of a checks and balance, um, but still it's more likely to result in a dispute. And of course, any executor or any trustee is a fiduciary. Mm -hmm. They have liability if they don't do what's in the best interest of the state, of Mm -hmm. the estate. Conflicts is one of the different things that you have to look at as far as um, the when you look at a fee for a trustee. Uh, and so, uh, so yes, you could do it, and people do do it. I'm not saying that I recommend it. You're going to have to look at a lot of different factors, the skill, experience, the difficulty in administering a state, mm-hmm. how much time is going to be spent, what's customary in the community, the value and income of the trust property, the, how they perform, how the trustee performs, besides their loyalty and their responsibility and care for for the labor that uh, they bestow. So it's a lot of different factors that go into it. Uh, you know, if you are a, uh, if you know, let's say that the trustee was, and I'm not, uh, let's say a CPA or maybe they're a realtor that was mm-hmm. a professional realtor. Maybe that, you know, that that's more expertise, at least in that area, that they uh, have the experience. And that person should might be able to be paid more than somebody who is just 
a child that didn't sign a professional. So when you look at the co-trustee or co-executor, uh, you know, it could be that uh, I, I really wouldn't have a co-executor if I could avoid it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of times people want that. And so, um, you know, so I don't, I don't, uh, people do do it, but I'm not saying that I recommend it. Yeah, it sounds very dangerous to me. And two decision makers, why you don't have a partnership, why you and I don't have partners when it comes to our businesses that we own, at least part of the reason I don't necessarily speak for you, but I don't want to have to consult with someone, get their approval. Uh, I know what I think is best for the stations, and I think you know what's best for your law firm. And consequently, I think it just spells disaster eventually when there's more than one decision maker. Yeah. I remember uh, we talked about this once on a show about you never want to point more than have a, say, and. Uh, sometimes you say or on, like, power of attorney. <laughs> right. I remember we, we had uh, the situation uh, where an Arizona attorney had uh, appointed three different um, – her, her three different children, three daughters, as her agents. Mm-hmm. They had to work together. That's what the, the power of attorney said. Mm-hmm. You know, clients' mind, they think of things the way it is now. The attorneys' mind, they think about the bad things that could happen in the future, usually. Right. However, this Arizona attorney didn't really think about that. He used the word and, which meant mm-hmm. they all had to act together. And in oh fact, the power of attorney said it took all three. Now, uh. the parent thought that there would never be a problem because they all got along. <laughs> yeah. now, and they would have all gotten along in this particular case, right. except for one bad thing happened. Unfortunately, a grandchild killed his own mother. Oh, And so now there was only two. Mm. And now the, the parent, the one who had signed the power of attorney, had lost mental capacity. Mm. So now they couldn't act. So oh. that means they had to go to court for guardianship. So I don't recommend when you say... You don't usually want to have two or more um, on these type of things, whether uh, generally, whether it be a power of attorney or a lot of times people have co-trustees. Now, that mm-hmm. may not be so bad. That, that Sometimes that may not be so bad as uh, uh, co-executors, but, uh, mm-hmm. but still, you know, it's easy when you have one, but a lot of times people want to have two for whatever reason. Yeah. But again, that's a lesson to be learned that uh, – there was another situation where the two children were acting as an agent under a, um, uh, I think it was a medical power of attorney. We had a client recently where the person said, well, I think I should be the one in charge, and I'm going to court. And I'm, and I'm not a litigator. I'm a lover, not a fighter. But the uh, the, the bottom line, that they I know that they have, from what I heard from the uh the person who was named as the agent uh, who called me after they've been through this, uh, I don't know how many tens of thousands of dollars that they have been through in legal fees mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, there was co-agents. And oh. so it's never recommended. Uh, so because, uh, but sometimes that's what people want. Yeah. Well, as far as I, I can tell, and as far as I go, um, that's, you know, in a good way, leading with your heart. But, and if you think though that uh, two heads are better than one when it comes to being the executor or having two executors, 
or the fact that you're going to do so just in fairness if you have two children, for example, or three children and three executors, which would be a nightmare, too. I wouldn't do it. I think Michael is pretty much frowning on it, too. So um, lastly, Michael, we've got about two minutes left. Can you just uh, summarize for us the differences and and the executor pay in those matters, please? Yeah. Before I do, I want to mention one other thing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do want to have a co-trustee if there's a uh, let's say there was could be distributions to one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say that the trustee we wanted to make a distribution to that person that was not the. Uh, let's say you have an irrevocable trust mm-hmm. and you had two kids as trustee. Um, if that one person could make a distribution to themselves as a single trustee, it could be a creditor problem. Uh, so you do sometimes need two trustees. So I, I don't want to make a blanket statement that never have co-trustees or anything like that, but I do feel like I should, so I feel like I should make that uh, clarification. Again, on an executor, how much can they be paid? Well, it really depends. It's no really clear definition in the estates code. If you're independent, you better, you know, meet, again, the executor is the one that gathers up the assets and pays the bills. There's no clear definition. There's the Texas two-step if you're not an independent executor, if you're mm-hmm. just an executor, if you need to get court authority to act, to pay the bills or to gather up assets, uh, or if you're an administrator or a state, then you have that 5% in on, on what assets are going in and what out, but they look at the difficulty of the uh, the job before they could determine what's a reasonable fee. Mm-hmm. And, and what's reasonable uh, for a trust uh, trustee, you remember a lot of times people have trusts that are outside court supervision. Again, they look at all the different factors. I uh, didn't go into great detail, but they'll look at the skill and experience, the difficulty in administering the trust, the amount of time spent. Of course, if you'd spend a lot of time and you're inefficient, that doesn't, you shouldn't be, uh, you don't get you know pay extra pay for your inefficiency. What's customary in the community? See what the banks choose and char- charge something less. How much is that value and income of the trust property? Property. What's if the, the trustee perform, you know, real quickly because of skill and knowledge? Well, they should be rewarded for that. Right. You know, are they loyal to the? If they're a beneficiary, also is uh, is there there is a duty of loyalty and what is their responsibility? How difficult it is to to sell property? Is it more difficult because of business interest or? Uh, real estate interest or whatever, and you have to look at this actual individual situation determining the fee if it only says what's reasonable and if there's not a fee determined in the document itself. Makes perfect sense. Uh, I completely agree. Uh, I like it, and you should too. So two admonitions for the audience. One, go to Michael's uh, website, DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com, for two reasons. One is you can look up the article uh, in Michael's archives, on uh, how much an executor should be paid, which was in 2020. And then as importantly or more, sign up for his next Zoom workshop, which is online, by going to DallasElderLawyer.com. It's really easy to do. And once you're signed up, it's click, click, and you're there for the next workshop, which is Thursday, January the 28th at 1 o'clock. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102 for Michael Cohen's next estate planning essentials workshop. Dallas elder law attorney, my attorney, radio stations attorney, Michael Cohen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Don.
leading estate planner practicing law in Dallas, Texas for decades now, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the estate planning laws that can affect your family and you. The first step is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com to sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on 770-KAAM for six years, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate and complete what could currently be a deficient estate plan. Make sure it is done your way and sign up for his next workshop today 